Good morning. Love is the greatest force in the universe. It is the heartbeat of the moral cosmos. One who loves is a participant in the being of God. So reads a handwritten note from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., I'm John Lou John Stone, a member of your ministerial team. We are a religious community of love, open to all of goodwill, regardless of your particular spiritual path or inspiration. If you're new to us, I invite you to complete a visitor card that's that's uh, here in the in the in the sanctuary or if you're online to find the link to the visitor card under the welcome section at austinuu.org. I welcome everyone here this morning to talk, think, and feel more about love. Now, Reverend Chris preached on it last week and it's our theme for the month and the truth is we can never say too much about love. So we're hitting it again today. Love knits us together, here and even further away. This morning, though, I want to invite you into love, into love on all kinds of levels, all around the globe and right here in this room. So as you look around this morning and as you greet one another, as you will in just a moment, Bring love to the greetings. See the divinity in each person. So offer love to someone you know and someone you don't know. Welcome this morning. My name is Mark Williams. I'm your lay leader. And we're going to light the chalice. The chalice is the primary symbol for Unitarian Universalism. And so Reverend Chanalu will light the chalice. At home, please light a candle or... Get a good hold of that coffee. <laughs> so join me in reading the words. Are they up there? This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. And now for our call to worship. This week is from The Home That Love Made, written by Reverend Amanda Popeye. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love that the founders felt when they planned out the walls and raise these beams above us. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of all who have worshipped here, those who have celebrated and grieved here, the babies dedicated, the couples married, and the family members mourned here. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of our children as they learn and laugh together and our youth as they grow into their own sense of purpose and meaning. 
This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of the staff and volunteers who have served it, full of their hopes for this congregation, their hard work, and their acts of dedication. This is the home that love made. It is full of the love of the choir, the love made so clear in voices lifted here on Sunday morning. This is the home that love made. It is full of our love, the love of this community, despite our differences and our disagreements, the love that holds us together as a people. This is the home that love made. Can you feel it? May the love be with us always. Amen. The mission of this church was written by the church and posted on the wall so that we can remember it and take it into our hearts. And we say it every week together, and now is the time to do that. Together we nourish souls, we transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. But there are different kinds of love for all these different people. And the ancient Greeks had different names for different kinds of love. So Valentine's Day love, sweetheart love, sweetheart love, like, like your parents may have for one another on good days. Um, <laughs> like, um, like, like when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that kind of love, that was called Eros. Can you say Eros? Eros. And Eros was a Greek god of love. Then there's another kind of love called Storge. Storge. Can you say Storge? Storge. Storge is the kind of love you have that your mother and your dad or your, your parents um, your parents have for you. Your parents have this Storge love. And you have Storge love for your parents, right? It's family love. And then there's one called philia. Can you say philia? Philia. Philia is friendship love, the love that you have for your best friend, right? Or for your other friends. And then there's one more kind of love that is this huge, huge, huge kind of love, like the love we have for for the earth. For the love we have for everybody? Well, maybe the cats. (laughs) And it's called agape. Can you say agape? Agape. Agape love is the big, huge love that we have for everybody and that we share with people who we know, people who we don't know, people who are on the other side of the world. We can still love them with that kind of love. For our time of centering this morning, I keep in mind the suffering in Turkey and Syria and in so many places in the world. And I offer this morning a prayer from the Reverend Lynn Cox, sabbatical pastoral minister at the UU Congregation of Rockville, Maryland. They write, Spirit of life and love, known by many names, 
and yet fully known by none. We give thanks for this time and place of renewal. We give thanks for the ability to begin again after disaster, after the tragedy, after the loss, after meeting the challenge set before us. Grant us the courage to continue on the journey, the courage to speak up for the well-being of ourselves and others and the planet. May we forgive each other when our courage falls short, and may we try again. Grant us hearts to love boldly, to embody our faith and our values in living words and deeds. May our hearts open to embrace humility, grace, and reconciliation. Grant us the ability to learn and grow, to let the spirit of love and truth work its transformation upon us and within us. Grant us the spirit of hospitality, the willingness to sustain a fit dwelling place for the holy that resides in all beings. Grant us a sense of being at peace in the world, even as we are in motion. Let us cultivate together the strength to welcome every kind of gift and all manners, manner of ways to be in the journey together. And to this we add the silent prayers of our hearts as we remember that in this church, silence includes and embraces human sounds around us, including the sounds of children. Amen. Blessed be. Shalom. Salam. Ashe. You are invited now to light candles for the joys and sorrows of your heart along either candle wall. Facts and figures and instructions for dancing, but ha. Music in it. In fact.
like that's where music comes from. Some of it is just transcendental. Some of it is just really dumb. But ha. two readings today to assist us in our centering. The first is from the Buddhist tradition, from the teachings of the Dalai Lama. To be genuine, compassion must be based on respect for the other and on the realization that others have the right to be happy and overcome suffering just as much as you. On this basis, since you can see that others are suffering, you develop a genuine sense of concern for them. Genuine compassion should be unbiased. If we only feel close to our friends and not our enemies, or to the countless people who are unknown to us personally and toward whom we are indifferent, then our compassion is only partial or biased. Genuine compassion is based on the recognition that others have the right to happiness, just like yourself. And therefore, even your enemy is a human being with the same wish for happiness as you and the same right to happiness as you. A sense of concern developed on this basis is what we call compassion. It extends to everyone, irrespective of whether the person's attitude toward you is hostile or friendly. And from the Christian religious tradition from the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 11 and 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of them is love. The greatest of these is love. The fiery prophets, the mystic saints, the Buddhist monks all agree. Love is the greatest force in the universe. But have you ever thought of love as mushy and weak need, a fleeting feeling instead of an unconquerable eternal power? I admit I have. I have cringed at saccharine sweet pictures of love, especially this time of the year. And I like sugar. I even like those little candy hearts with the silly expressions of love. Still love? A force? A power? Now the picture of love from Corinthians confuses me more. Patient, kind, not arrogant or boastful. Christianity and Buddhism alike, urging us to love our enemies. Our enemies! The people who hate us and want to destroy us. How can a love like that, that patient and kind and all that, how can that be a force? Much less the greatest force in the universe, as Dr. King wrote in that note. It's hard to align that slow, patient kindness, that openness to potential destroyers with the idea of a force in the universe. Love that will not let go, that will defend its object and that will vanquish lesser motives and ideas. How does love do that? Maybe it requires us to consider not love itself, but the other side of the equation, force. Maybe we need to reconsider what force might be. Now, when we think about force, we usually think about what might better be labeled as violence. We think about someone making someone else do something. We think about force as physically pushing or threatening harm. We think about force as bullying or strong-arming, coercion. What if force were something different than that? What if force were like water? There's an old Holly Near song. Holly Near is a bisexual singer-songwriter who was active back in the women's movement back in the day. The song went, Can we be like drops of water falling on the stone, splashing, breaking, Dispersing in air, weaker than the stone by far, but be aware that as time goes by, the rock will wear away. The idea is much older than the 20th century. Taoists in ancient China often spoke of the power of being like water. 
Water, said Lao Tzu, overcomes the hardest substance and offers no resistance. What if that is the patience of love, that it can wait while gently, gently having its way? It does not insist on its way. It may wear the walk away. Or if another pathway opens, it may flow around the rock, eroding the side of the rock instead of its upper surface. The water has flexibility to flow where it can and yet to know where it must go somehow. And its power cannot be dismissed. Anyone who has just come through an ice storm knows that the power of water cannot be dismissed. That's water in its most angry and destructive form. So maybe love can be a force. I invite you to join. What we're going to do is we're going to sing verses of the hymn. We're breaking all this up. So we're going to sing verse 1 of hymn number 34. Though I may speak with bravest fire. Though I may speak with bravest fire and have the This hymn comes from the same place that our reading does, the book of 1 Corinthians in the Bible. It's, it's one of those famous readings in, of Christians, often read at weddings. It's not about Eros love, though, or Storge love. The word love in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape, that great, big, huge love that encompasses everything and everyone. 1 Corinthians was written as a letter by Paul, a leader who had persecuted Christians until he had a conversion experience and became one. He was writing it to a church in the city of Corinth that was having trouble. Paul had founded that church about 20 years after Jesus died, and he went off to Ephesus where he heard stories about how the church members were not treating one another well and were arguing about all kinds of silly stuff. Churches do that sometimes. (laughs) So Paul wrote to the church at Corinth telling them how they needed to treat one another in the church with agape, with patience and kindness and so on, with that full overwhelming love that flows through us to others like water. And the song we just sang, whose words come from that letter, tell us that not only is love powerful, it's essential If you are brave and inspirational, but you don't do it with love, doesn't count. Comes to nothing. That's what those words tell us. Psychologically, love is necessary. Babies cannot thrive without love. Heck, that's why we've got hormones that make us take care of them. Really, none of us can thrive without love. We need to be touched with affection, hugs and kisses and tickles and cuddles. We need to know there are people we can count on who will show up and help us get what we need. We need to know someone 
who will listen to our deepest, darkest secrets and still show up for us. What's more, we need to give love as well as receive it. Did you know that people who spend money on someone else instead of themselves are actually happier? They've done the studies. I don't know. And when you give to others, they often, that often comes back to you in more love. Love makes your soul crawl out from its hiding place, wrote the Harlem Renaissance author Zora Neale Hurston. And that's the kind of love we aim for in church. Do we always get there? No. We let people fall through the cracks and not receive the love they need. Sometimes we break their hearts. But we keep trying. We ask for forgiveness. We try to love. The ministers try to love you. The the staff tries to love you. We try to love through the structures of our church, through the caring council. And most importantly, though, I think, we try to love all of us in our personal interactions. In the groups we're part of, in the meetings we attend, in all our formal and informal relations. Because love has to flow like water. It can't just be in the formal structures. It has to be everywhere. The Reverend Joe Von Rue, minister of May Memorial UU Society in Syracuse, New York, told a story. She grew up as a very poor child. And she told a story about how embarrassed she was when a teacher kindly prompted her to wear deodorant. I know, that's uncomfortable. She writes... Love shows up in soft, easy, comfortable places. A new baby in the delivery room. A meal train when you're ill. A hug or the sweet smile of a stranger. But here's the thing. Love shows up everywhere. We don't always recognize it, but love shows up even more in the messy, vulnerable places. Love shows up in the form of a friend seeking forgiveness. Love shows up every time we interrupt bad, oppressive comments and jokes. Love shows up in complicated conversations. And for me, love showed up in the simplicity of a teacher awkwardly reminding me about deodorant. And Paul tells us you can't just go through the motions. It shows. If you do not have love, the deeds do not carry the force or power that they would have had with love. As Mother Teresa said, it is more important to do small things with great love than to do great things with little love. It's time for the second verse of our hymn.
most of you know something about our UU principles. We also have a set of sources. And one of them is Jewish and Christian teachings which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. Of course, love is not only taught by Jews and Christians. Buddhists use the word compassion. And I think compassion is much like agape love, big love, that we have to nurture. It doesn't come as naturally as love for family or sweethearts or even for our friends. We have to encourage it. And to do that might take a loving-kindness meditation, as a, uh, as something like that as a Buddhist practice. May I be well and happy. May you be well and happy. May my family and friends be well and happy. May those I do not know be well and happy. May my enemies be well and happy. Practice does make it easier, even if it stays really hard. And we can practice everywhere, though, sending the energy of love to clerks in grocery stores or to drivers we pass on the road, the guy who cuts you off. Send him love. To people we see at work or school, to the people of Turkey and Syria and Ukraine, to those we see in the news, practice opening our hearts and sending love. They may never know it, but it may change you. Our religious tradition comes from both Unitarianism and Universalism. And for the Universalists, love was always central because they believed in a God so loving that they would never send anyone to hell. The, universal, the Universalist God saved everyone. The Universalist God was what I learned God was when I was four years old in the Baptist church, love. If God is anything at all, I still believe that God must be love. The powerful, all-encompassing love that sustains us and everything and everyone in the universe. Reverend Chris told you last week that the UUA is updating what's called Article 2. He'll be leading a program about that, those revisions next week following the service. And that proposal puts love squarely at the center of Unitarian Universalism, as it was always at the center of Universalism. The Article 2 Commission said, love is the power that holds us together and is at the center of our shared values. We are accountable to one another for doing the work of our shared values through the spiritual discipline of love the spiritual discipline of love. Are we ready for a religion with love at its center? Love expressed publicly as justice, as Cornell West has reminded us. Love strong enough to cast out fear, 
to save us from foolish priorities like ego and greed. Love that connects and reweaves the fabric of our families, our culture, our nation, our world. A love that breaks down the barriers of politics and religion so that we can fully embrace even those who are far different from ourselves. A love that makes we bigger and more inclusive every day. A love that flows in us, through us, around us, so that we are awash in it. Come, spirit, come. Our hearts control, our spirits long to be made whole. Let inward love guide every deed. By this we worship and are freed. Please stand for that final verse of the hymn, in body or spirit. Say the words to extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Omid Safi, liberationist professor of Islamic studies, invites us, go Be your best self. Be your most beautiful self. Be your luminous self. Be your most generous self. Be your most radically loving self. And when you fall short of that, as we all do, as we all have, bounce back and return. And return again. There is grace in this returning to your luminous self. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.